0: You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Eva O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work.
1: When things go really, really bad, the value systems keeps everything together and keeps the happiness together, and we lift each other up. That's what you want to do in real life. That's what you want to do in a company. That's what you want to do as a human being. But that requires to have the same sort of individuals together.
0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted that you are tuned in today. Today's episode is slightly different in that I have invited um, someone who works in HR I think maybe for the first time to discuss on the podcast, the implementation side of things of a lot of the initiatives that we have covered previously on the podcast. And I'd love to know if this is the kind of thing that you would like to hear more about. From my perspective, I think it was it was brilliant to get those insights. We covered a lot of ground and I will summarize the key points at the end. So stay tuned for that. My guest today is Stefan Tonon. He is currently the Vice President. Of HR for EMEA at Insight. His passion for people development, technology, and transformational change is the driving force behind EMEA human resource strategy at Insight. He has experience in HR in the IT sector in EMEA, US, and Asia Pacific. And prior to joining Insight, he worked in other human resources leadership roles in technology companies such as Infor Global Solutions, Progress Software and Riverbed. He works closely with the president of Amia and the senior leadership team to enable the business to meet the organizational objectives, building high performing and engaging teams whilst creating a great place to work where individuals can grow and realize their full potential through a transparent and collaborative culture. He's Dutch and currently resides in Sweden, and he's lived and worked in the US, Germany, the Netherlands and the UK, which has enabled him to understand a multicultural and diverse environment, which is key to drive success in global companies such as Insight. And we do touch on quite a lot of what he has outlined there in his biography. And I really hope you enjoy today's episode. I'd love to get your thoughts on LinkedIn. You can connect with me there. I also am quite active on Instagram, happieratwork.ie. And as I mentioned, I will be summarizing the key points from today's episode at the end. So do stay tuned for that. Stefan, you are so welcome to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so delighted to have you as my guest today. We originally connected on the platform Clubhouse a number of months ago, the start of this year, and had such interesting conversations. We've stayed in touch since then. I'm not really on Clubhouse anymore. You said that you're not really hanging out there anymore either. But I thought it'd be brilliant to have you on the podcast to discuss some of the things that we talked about, but also get your perspective on the key challenges of HR and how to create a happier work environment in a people-first environment. Can you let uh, listeners know a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. First of all, you know it was lovely to meet you on Clubhouse and you know see where relationships and, and conversations go to. So I, I feel very, very honored to be on your podcast because I know you're very successful in this area. Um, I'm Stefan Um I work in the HR area for the last. Probably 25 to 25 plus years now. So um, I won't say too much about it because otherwise people will guess my age.
0: You, you, um, give your, you give your age away. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> um, I've been working in the technology space for all my life. So I've, I've come from technology companies. Um, most of the times i work for software companies uh, and the last five years I work at a technology company that is in between vendors and our end customers. Um, And I've been in several roles. I've been in recruitment, I've been in HR, I've been in global roles. I've lived in all kinds of places in the world uh, for my job, which is very, very good to have as a cultural background. Uh, Understanding how people think and and how things are different around the world is interesting. Uh, And and there's no better way to um, experience that when you actually live in a different country. I'm living in Sweden today, but I'm actually Dutch, so um, for my Dutch um, people that are going to watch this podcast, uh, I will do this all in English, um, but I live in Sweden with my lovely wife Yvonne, um, and uh, yeah, I really enjoy Sweden, although we're getting to the dark period now, so it's becoming winter.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, and I'm noticing the same in Ireland, the dark mornings, and it's definitely getting darker and darker in the evenings for sure yeah so really rich background and and similar to myself in the sense that i have lived in multiple places around the world and have you know, you get that perspective of the different cultural backgrounds and and exactly as you said, how people think um, in different areas and how you might apply that. Now, I know for the purposes of today, it's kind of like I love having you on the podcast because it's very much from the HR practitioner perspective. And I would love to have more of these conversations on the podcast. I often speak with people who are consultants and they're going into organizations, but But the beauty about having you here today is talking from the horse's mouth about how to create those happier working environments, what some of the key challenges might be and, you know, what are some of the the first steps? I know we we spoke about kindness and things like that as well. So maybe let's kick off with like, you know, what does what does that actually mean? You know, whether it's happiness at work or a people first organisation, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, it means many things for many people, and that's that's a good thing and a bad thing. I think. Um, I think that, uh, and I've had these conversations before. so where do you start as a company? And it's different for consultants because consultants, you know, come from an area where they give advice to companies. But the biggest challenge that companies have is actually implementing it and then living that culture that you want to implement. Uh, and there's been a lot of discussions around culture and values. <clears throat> and for me personally. I look at the values of the company. I think that everything starts with the values of the company before you create a culture. And the reason that I say that is the values is the communication between people that have the same value system that will stay the same wherever you are. So whether you're in the US, whether you're in the UK, whether you're in the mainland Europe, Singapore, the value system stays the same. The culture is based on the values. But as you all know, and you have lived in different countries as well, a culture is defined by where you live, what the circumstances are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that we we see a lot of discussions around the culture of a company, but the culture is defined by the people that actually work in it. The values is something that keeps us together. And I think at Inside where I work today, That's our core strategy and our people strategy. Everything starts with our values, whether we do interviews, whether we talk to each other, whether we do projects, whether we do performance reviews, all those things are tied down by our values. And for us, it's very important that the values are not only posters on the wall, but they are actually living within everything that we do. So once we have a performance uh, uh, review, once we have a promotion panel, Those values are always at the core of the questioning that we do with our teammates, with our leaders, with everybody else. And even our customers know our values and that's how strong they are.
0: You're definitely speaking my language now, Stefan. Like that is, I am so into that. And I think if you had asked me a number of years ago, what our values, I probably wouldn't have known my own core values, let's say, but I would have been aware of the, the company values of the places I worked but equally aware that the values were spoken about, but they weren't the lived. And I love that you say it's the lived experience. And it's the first thing that you kind of talk about when it comes to performance. It's the first thing you think about when it comes to hiring new people. And can I ask, what are your values in the organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We talk about hunger, heart and harmony. So three very simple words, but they have a very, very strong meaning for us within our company. Um, and, And it always is something that you can translate differently, but the core of those three values are within ourselves. So it's the hunger to do well, it's the hunger to help people, to help our customers, to help our teammates. It's the heart, so our heart. So we're doing the right things for the right for the right reasons. And it's our harmony that keeps us all together as a team. So that's where our diversity lives and all the things that we do for each other and for our communities around us. Now people can translate that into different things, but that is the core that we live by. And I think that that is the most important thing. Um, And those are the the values that I have. I might translate them differently, but it's the things that I hold on to in the last 25 years that I've worked. And when I either apply or get asked for a new role, those values are very important to me. And I always say to people when they apply for other roles or other companies, don't always ask about the culture because it depends on where the company is built. So if you're going to work for an international company and they were started the company in San Francisco, there's a certain culture in San Francisco. So there's yeah. a certain culture where the CEO is going to talk to me. But when I did my interviews with Insight, and I didn't know Insight when I started here, I was headhunted into the company. What I what I found very very interesting is that every conversation that I have From the hiring manager all the way to the CEO, given that my seniority of my job, that values system came up every single time. And that was the confirmation for me that I wanted to work for this company. So it turned around from, you know, amazing opportunity to now wanting to work for that company because it represents the values that I have. And the culture, the culture is different. I mean, we have a different culture in the U.S. than we have in Europe or that we have in APJ. But those value systems are exactly the same. So when I pick up the phone and talk to my CEO, I know that he has the same values as myself and it makes yeah. the conversation so much easier.
0: OK, yeah, yeah. No, that's brilliant. In terms of the practical elements around hunger, heart and harmony, do you have like kind of written guidelines as to what it means and what it doesn't mean? Is, is there kind of that clarity or is it up a bit more for interpretation?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I would always say go to insight.com where, where our company lives and our values are there. So it's, it shows you what we do and why we're doing it. Um, and, and that is important. Uh, if you see all the communication that our teammates do uh, on LinkedIn and other social channels, you most of the time see Hunger Heart and Harmony go through that organization as well. So you can see that people are actually proud that they live those same values as well. I think that that's where it starts. Yeah. Um, One thing that we do as a company is continuously to listen, listen and listen and and not listening to respond to people, but actually listen to what they can contribute to do this. So if you take a look at what we do from our diversity, inclusivity and belonging agenda in our company, that is, although it's supported by leadership, of course, because otherwise there's no point in starting it, but it's driven by our teammates themselves. And I think that that is really important. You need to make them part of what you're trying to achieve as a company, and listen to your teammates to make sure you make the right decisions. So this is not top-down driven, but it is top-sponsored. Um, I would say executive sponsorship yeah. is very, very important because you know if our CEO doesn't believe in diversity, then you know what's the point? I mean, then as a company, you can try to do that, but leadership needs to adopt that as well.
0: So I mean, there's there's loads there to talk about. It's about listening. Not just to what they're saying, but how they can contribute and how they can empower themselves to create the kind of organization they want to work in, especially when it comes to diversity, inclusion, belonging, how they can be empowered to make their own decisions. And it's not about... Implementation from the stop. The, sorry, implementation from the top. It's more about implementa- uh, implementation, but sponsorship from the top, but implementation then by the teammates. So they're very much involved in it.
1: Yeah, we see. We see all the, in, in, the. You know, of course, I'm 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 an executive sponsor in my role, but also because I'm you know I've been fighting for diversity for the last ten years, and you know I'm a, a white male, middle aged, very privileged. Um, so I'm happy to put myself out there to fight for you know, all the things that I'm fighting for from a diversity yeah. perspective.
0: Yeah.
1: If you look at inside, and I, I, I talk about my region in EMEA right now, um, most of the initiatives come from our teammates themselves. Okay. And what we then do as, a, as, a, as an executive team is just help to formalize it a little bit more, help them to give them tools to actually do things around this. Most of the initiatives come from my teammates themselves. And that is the only way that it will work. I mean, it doesn't work if I tell them exactly what needs to happen. We're all part of a team. We're all the teammates. I'm I'm Stefan. I I happen to have a title. But please have those conversations together. And then, you know, most of the things that I say is listen with your heart so you can understand what somebody says before you respond. Because this is one of the key things as leaders to do. But most leaders just listen and then respond rather than absorbing the measures, really thinking about what somebody tries to say and then respond to the, to the questions yeah. that they have.
0: Yeah. Listen to understand rather than to respond. respond. Yeah. Um, so on this idea then of diversity, what kind of initiatives have the team come up with?
1: One of the things that I spoke to you about uh, a couple of uh, diversity panels that I was on is that our allyship, our inside allyship comes from okay. our teammates ourselves. There was a conversation between a couple of teammates and our marketing uh, director at the time uh, about how can we stand up for the things that we really believe in. Uh, yeah. And allyships have been around in other companies and other forms as well. Um, but we didn't say, well, we're going to do diversity and these are the things that we're going to focus on. No, this came from our teammates ourselves. And then there will be executive sponsorship to help them to, you know, build that project out to where it is today. And today we have a strong allies that stand up for diversity. So they are able to represent a group of people or represent our company and speak out when something is not going well. I mean, yeah. we need to be honest here. Diversity is it's on the top of the agenda for everybody, but it yeah. could be something that we just do because it needs to be done or it is something that we do because we really believe in it. Yeah. And we really believe in it as a company that uh, that is a, a beneficial for all of our teammates. We we believe that everybody can make a difference within our company, no matter where they come from, what culture, where they grew up, and all that kind of good stuff. We think that they actually need to have a voice. And I'm so, I'm, I'm very so proud that teammates stand up if they see something within a company that is not completely right, that they can speak out, and challenge it. And I think that that is the most important thing. Yeah. If you talk about diversity, you also should challenge yourselves and ourselves if if things are not as bright as they look like. And we're just on the beginning of the journey, to be fair. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask, what does that look like? What is the impact of creating that kind of culture or creating that executive sponsorship? And I don't mean for this to be like a just looking at the numbers exercise, but what are the kind of tangible benefits, I suppose, that you've seen from creating this, from having that culture of we promote diversity?
1: Yeah, and I talk about a lot of belongings. So people feel that they belong to a company and they, they feel that they are being heard and they feel that they can make a difference no matter what background they have or what culture they grew up. I think that that is important. So they don't feel left alone or feel separated out. Uh, And I think that that is important. So if my team, you know, we want to develop our teammates to get better and better and educate themselves and, and become their better selves at the company, and we give them all kinds of tools, there should not be anything that is limiting their possibilities within the company. So I think that once you work at my company at Insight right now, it doesn't matter where you come from or how you look or, you know, all kinds of criteria that you might want to have. We want to get the best out of those people for themselves and for the company, ultimately. And I think that that is important. And if you then don't make if you don't make sure that they are having a voice and they are part of what we're trying to achieve, then it will never be successful. And most of the times, you know, in some of the panels that I talk about diversity, I talk about humans. I don't talk about men, female or black yeah, or white yeah. or those kind of differentiators. I mean, we're really all humans, no matter where we come from, and we all... The best for our humans but you know that's how i lived the last 25 years and that's what i'm trying to achieve and it's it's a it's still an uphill battle to be fair i mean yeah. it's not easy as just you know saying all those nice kind of things They still things that that don't work that well and there's still things that slip into the conversations that should not be part of the conversations
0: yeah it's a it's a journey and it's a learning experience i think as time goes on exactly I'm intrigued by this idea of belonging. It's, it's one of the pillars in my business under Happier at Work. Belonging is one of the pillars that I am so keen to support. And there's a few different areas, I suppose, that from, from my perspective, touch into that, that sense of belonging. And I suppose what do you see as the relationship between the values piece and the belonging piece and the diversity piece and the belonging piece?
1: Yeah, most of the times when I talk about diversity, I never forget belonging because that's that's key to whether you work for a company or not. And um, so, if we talked about the values in the beginning, those are important to me because that me as a person, my values need to be aligned with the company. And you cannot expect to be a full alignment, right? Because it's still a business. But most of the values that I have are inside as well. But then there's a piece of me that wants to be belonging in a company so why am I there and do I really belong in that company or am I just a teammate to produce revenue for them so the values can be right but I don't feel that I belong then I will never be the one that you know produces the things that the company wants me to produce or give me the feeling that I'm going to add value to the company and those things are very important from a belonging perspective so, yes, there needs to be diversity. Yes, you want to have a diverse workforce. You want to represent, you know, the, the, the communities that you work in. Yeah. But if you don't belong in the company or you don't feel that you belong in the company, then that is a, a major problem for yourself because then you go to work because you really see it as work. And it's a nine to five and you cannot wait until the clock says five because you can run home. Yeah. So that sounds a little bit great. I've been there. Kind of pandemic <laughs> now, but, um, you know, you close down your laptop at five o'clock and you want to do that. If you belong, and, and we see that certainly in our, we, we have value awards in our company. So we reward people if they go above and beyond what they normally need to do for themselves. If you truly belong, you're you willing to go the extra mile to do well for your teammates, or to do well for the customer, or to do well for the company. There's a more effort that you want to do because you feel that you're doing the right thing and you're part of that adventure.
0: Yeah, and, and what do you think then, like I have my own ideas, so I'll share my ideas in a minute. Um, But what do you think drives that sense of belonging in an organization? If it's not just the values, it's kind of like I I jotted down there, it's kind of values plus, like what is that plus piece?
1: Well, I I think it's, and I I will bring that to me personally. Um, I feel if I belong to a company, if I have a people-centric leader around me. So if somebody around me fosters a culture where everybody feels valued, then of course I feel that I belong in that company. Hmm. So you know if you go back to if you apply for a job and and you're going to check values check culture yeah that probably fits well to me but if you have a leader that doesn't fit you well and don't, doesn't give you that feeling of belonging then yeah. you know all the good things that they have might fall away and uh, the pandemic has proven that you know we as leaders had to change our behaviors a little bit because we used to have people in the office or You know, In the bigger offices, you can see your team sitting there and you can manage them in a different way. When everybody works from home, it's a completely different situation. And now suddenly people, leaders, need to be much more human and humanizing themselves and ask different questions to their teammates to really understand how they are feeling. So the whole perception of leadership changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. Leadership itself is still the same, but the humanization of uh, uh, leadership and being people-centric has certainly exposed itself over the last 15 months
0: do you think and i've heard this from a couple of different places but do you think the pandemic in some ways has exposed leaders who are exceptionally good as well as exceptionally bad so be they leaders who are more people-centric and show a lot of empathy versus leaders who haven't maybe uh, don't have that skill naturally
1: yeah I, 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 i'm not sure if i would classify them as good as bad, uh, good okay. or bad. I think it it it, um, it showed leaders that are agile enough to adapt their leadership okay. style to a new situation. I think that that is important anyway as a leader. As, as a leader, you are thrown into new situations every couple of years because the the, you know, the social environment is changing, our customers are changing, the direction of the company is changing. So how agile are you as a leader to actually change your leadership style towards the company that you work for or the team that you work for. And of course, we had leaders that you know were old school that had that team in front of them and that works best for them. So they yeah. didn't have to, you know, they, they almost give you marching orders, which in, in some cases works very, very well. But once the team is not in front of you anymore, it requires different skills because yeah. we're now doing the same. <laughs> we're, we're looking at a screen and we're looking talking to the screen to each other yeah. while we're sitting at a bar and we have the same conversation. The conversation is, is a little bit different because we can see each other. There's different flavors of communication that we're missing today that are there when you see somebody face to face. So as a leader, you need to adapt pretty quickly on how am I going to adapt my leadership style to still get this engagement, get the same performance and get the same things out of the people that you lead.
0: Listeners often get in touch with me to let me know what has resonated with them when they listen to the podcast, some of the practical actions that they have taken as a result of listening. And to me, that really, really means the world because it shows that the work I'm doing is having an impact. But they also wonder how can they actually work with me on a deeper level? And that's why I wanted to share with you today. And I don't often do this. I don't often talk about the work that I do, but I'm launching a new program called Imposter to Empowered, and I would love to tell you more about it. You can go over to the website impostorsyndrome.ie if you want to find out more about what imposter syndrome actually is and the steps that you can take and find out more details about the program. Imposter syndrome is that voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough, that it really holds you back from putting yourself forward from opportunities, that people will judge you and think that you're a total fraud, that you have no idea what you're talking about. But also you think that other people think that you are better than you actually are and that you somehow have pulled the wool over their eyes all this time. It can happen when things like we start a new job we get promoted to a managerial position we start out in our careers or we've reached a level that we think we should feel a little bit differently we feel like we should have it all sussed out now at this time but that's not always the case and this nagging feeling is still there so with this program it's a six-week online program with interactive group coaching sessions With this program, the aim is to identify what your imposter is saying and take some really practical steps towards managing and overcoming your inner imposter. If you want to know more, like I said, head to the website impostorsyndrome.ie or feel free to reach out directly to me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien, and I look forward to working with you on a deeper level to manage and overcome your inner imposter. I wanted to kind of touch back on this idea of belonging and, you know, share some of my own thoughts around that as well. So I suppose for me, the belonging piece is the values is really important. I think it's really important to highlight it's bringing the diversity of thought into that as well. So it's not about hiring people who are clones of each other. It's bringing in that diverse thinking, people who think in different ways than I might think myself. So so that it's kind of this culture of challenge as well. Yeah, and you know,
1: belonging is um, and luckily it becomes much more of the diversity agenda, which is great. Um, But but even if we go back into our childhoods as a, as a, a young boy or a young girl, you want to belong somewhere. Yeah, um, I, mean,
0: that, I think that, it's part that, of being human. It's a yeah, natural tendency our, that we have. Exactly. It, it exists in our human
1: nature, right? Mm. To belong or not to belong is very subjective experience that can be influenced by so many different factors. But mm. you want to belong to a tribe or you want to belong to a friend group or you want to belong in a football club if you play sports, um, that belonging is... We are social animals. If we don't belong somewhere, we exclude ourselves from so many things and then we become a different human being. Yeah. And we are not human beings are not built like that.
0: And the other thought I had when we were talking about this idea of belonging and and having a people centric leader was this idea of a psychologically safe environment or building a culture of trust where if someone shows up to work they're free to completely be themselves that they can challenge things that they can um, share freely share their ideas and drive innovation that way any thoughts around building a psychologically safe environment to foster belonging specifically
1: Yeah uh, you know trust is where most things start if there's no trust people cannot really speak up for themselves and therefore yeah. you know don't really give you the real feedback that you want to hear to actually make a place a better place to work. Um, you know, we, we've been in, um, we've been working hard to make this a fantastic place to work for all people. Um, mm. And um, although I believe that we have very strong values and a very strong culture, uh, a couple of years ago we decided to just test that with the Great Place to Work, so just mm. have an external person or an external organisation to validate if we're actually doing the right things. Now, I know it's sort of a competition and of course you want to score high, but for me personally and my team, it was more to look at, okay, so all the things that we initiate within our company, how does that actually work from from an outside perspective? Because we we are a company that does a lot of things internally. We want to make Mm. sure that everybody feels that they can do the things and make a difference within our company. But how does that actually tie up to if we compare ourselves with others? And luckily, you know, that, that went very well for us. We, we are very, very highly rated from a great company perspective from the UK, from Austria and Italy, where we went live with that. And this year became the best place to work in Europe, which was important for us to understand that everything that we do, if we compare ourselves with others or compare ourselves to standards that a great place to work has, to see that actually what we're doing is along the lines that makes you a great place to work. Yeah happiness and kindness and all those kind of things you know are part of that uh, whole culture but sometimes it's important not to necessarily get best in class but you want to sometimes just make sure that all the things that you do right are they right if we look at the outside world because yeah. then you can also bring it back as a company and, and as hr if i recruit people all the things that i'm doing do they actually fit in, in the outside world right
0: because yeah
1: what, what we what what arguably what we're not good at as a company is is all those good things that we do internally represent that to the outside world so okay yeah, once we yeah. To the candidates you know letting them know what we do from a value perspective culture perspective from a diversity perspective from a sustainability perspective all those good initiatives they don't necessarily know that right from the get-go okay um, so the great place to work helps us a little bit to show you know we're doing all those things and we think that we're doing the right things and therefore our candidate market and our pool is going to be bigger because actually people want to work here rather than the other way around.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I was going to come back to this idea of like the practical application. So you did mention earlier, incorporating the values into the hiring process, into the performance reviews. What does that actually look like on the ground?
1: Yeah, that's and that's a very good point because um, again, it comes back to where we started, right? Is it posters on the wall or actually are you some, doing something with that yeah uh, so yeah first of all you know i told my personal story uh, you go through the ranks to, to do your own interview you end up with the ceo and, and they all i could feel that they all talked about the value so that was a check in the box and a very important check in the box for me yeah. to change employer at that time moment in time and that is still in the whole recruitment process uh, if we think about uh, a promotion board that we have so if you want to be promoted from a manager to a director Uh, You come in front of a panel, so you need to represent yourself and why you want the job and all those kind of good things. The value part is probably around 30 to 40 percent of that decision. Okay. Do we feel that this leader is going to represent our values in a way that we think that our values need to be represented? Um, Because it all starts with leadership. If you have a terrible leader, then, you know, the values just fall apart. That's very, very important to us. Uh, performance reviews, we used to do them once a year, but we changed that three years ago. So we do them quarterly. We call them connection meetings. That's where values play a role as well. So we, we constantly check. So what are your goals? What are your values? Where do you need to go? What do you need? And all that kind of good stuff. And one thing that we do differently than other companies, we have a, um, a sales driven culture, of course, because we still need to make <laughs> make sure that we survive as a business. Yeah. Uh, and we have a president's club or a summit club, as we call it now. At most companies, that is a club where our sales performers go to. Now, with us, that is still true. However, we also have a category of value winners, as we call them, that can go to the president's club, which means that teammates amongst themselves can nominate people for a value award if they go above and beyond the normal things that they do. It could be for a customer, but most of the times I've seen that do go beyond and above for things they do for other teammates that we have in the business or help with a process or you know work a little bit longer to help somebody on the other side of the world. And those get into a pool and then they get chosen and they go to Summit Club as well. And that shows for me personally, at least, that this is not a poster on the wall. This is actually living throughout our company. But don't forget, because it sounds fantastic. But this is a process over the last 10 years. We, we have a CEO that started this process when he started probably 10 or 11 years ago. He's going to retire at the end of the year. And, and, but he ingrained that into our company and into our processes. And that was very important to him. And that's how we built the foundation of the company, what it is today. But don't make the mistake as an HR professional that you can do this within a year. That doesn't work. Uh, there's a lot of hard work that you need to do over a number of years and then continue to reinvent yourself, continue to have new ideas on reinforcing our values and reinforcing the right things that we want to do for our teammates. And it's it's a journey. There's no end state. It's
0: I'm, I'm so glad that you said that, that it's not kind of a quick fix. It's not it's it is a journey and it's a process. And, you know, you're you're 10 years into this and it's probably still a journey as well. And I do have a couple of questions on the back of that. And I and I suppose one of them is because you mentioned that leadership, it all starts with leadership and you need to have a leader who embodies the values. So one of the questions centers around that and then the other is more from a individual or a personal perspective. So the first one really is what if a, an organization has a leader where they're not currently really embodying the values that they've been promoted because they've performed well, that they've got in good sales, but they're not necessarily great at people. So that's the the first part of the question. And the second one is more around an individual. And if an individual is currently in an organisation where they don't feel their values align and any any thoughts around the conflict that might arise or what they could do in that situation.
1: Ba- bad news conversations are the worst conversations to have and it's the most difficult conversation that you need to have um and it's almost you know for us in our company the values are incredibly important and probably arguably the most important thing that we have in our company so if we have a leader that doesn't live our values then there will be conversations and in the worst case there will be conversations that they need to exit the company no matter how good their uh, results might be, or no matter how good they individual performance might be, if you allow that to be in your company, then that will cause a problem longer term, mm-hmm. because it creates a toxic environment and it creates something that we don't believe in. And then if we talk about the piece of belonging, if you work for that individual, is, as a, if it might be a leader then you don't feel that you belong to the company because you hear you know, somebody else saying about our values and how our culture works. And then you personally as an individual work for a leader that doesn't live those values, that is a major problem. And again, if you only have posters on the wall, companies will allow that to happen. Now, I, I need to admit that that is the most difficult thing to do, right? Because if mm-hmm. you have, let's say you have an individual contributor that is doing fantastically well, over every single year, but is not living the values letting go of that individual based on the values is is a tough thing to do but we have to make that decision because otherwise it will affect other teammates around that individual mm-hmm. so no matter how good and no matter how performing well that is if the values are not lived by and we see things happening that should not happen within this company, then you need to have those conversations with that individual. And there's then a choice for an individual to change themselves or not. And if that doesn't change, then, you know, then it's our, our belief that we should not have people around uh, doing uh, things that we don't believe in.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: that's very tough. That's the hardest part that you need to do as a company to make sure that your values are true and honest, and are there? And if you have a company where where we we have that trust environment and a safe environment for people to speak up, then I'm still hopeful that teammates will come to me or any of my HR colleagues and say, you know, I have that individual next to me that just does things that are so contradictory to our values. Can we please have that conversation? Because that's where. The individual contributor will stand up and say, "Wait a minute! We all are that lock on the door. We all, you know, guard our values. We have people that don't live our values, yeah. and we expect our teammates to, you know, step up and say something about it, so we can correct it. And that's where the trust piece and the safe environment comes in. Now, it's a hard part. So, you know, it sounds very easy out of my mouth." Yeah. <laughs> But we all know that that is not easy to do, but we have leaders that really focus in on that very, very heavily. My mm. team is trained to look at that very, very heavily as well. And we might, you know, if you go into recruitment to make it a little bit more difficult, if you go into recruitment, you might have the best candidate in the world, but if we feel that the value system is not there, we will not hire.
0: Yeah.
1: No matter how much we would like to have those skills,
0: mm.
1: but if the values are not there, then yeah. it's, It's that feeling of belonging for the teammates around that person Mm. will not go to work. So you need to make some tough decisions as a company. Um, That is not easy.
0: Yeah, no, it's I mean, it echoes everything that I understand to be true. and, And the research that I did as part of my dissertation around like you can teach people new skills, you can teach people to do things differently, but you can't teach people to have new values. Like your values are inherent to you as a person. And so you want to find people and surround people who will have that sense of belonging with each other. Because exactly as you said at the start, you speak the same language and you're coming from that same kind of value system.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you see companies that have strong value systems uh, and cultures from the beginning of the pandemic. The transformation into the pandemic, into a whole new situation, was easier for those companies because they all, you know, helped each other to get, you know, through this together, and that is so important. And companies that didn't have that strong value system or the strong culture were struggling because they they couldn't get the team together anymore. They they struggled to get everybody aligned and doing the right things. Um, and I, I, you know, I've seen companies that have that strong value system, including ourselves, where despite it being a very difficult situation, people found each other, helped each other, they did shopping for each other, you know, they they did all the right things that you expect a human being to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And that was representative of how we treat our customers, how we treat our teammates, how we treat ourselves. And I think that that is so important. So, you know, like, you know, from, from your research as well, when things go really, really bad, the value systems keeps everything together and keeps the happiness together and we lift each other up that's what you want to do in real life. That's what you want to do in a company. That's what you want to do as a human being. Yeah. Uh, but that requires to have the same sort of individuals together.
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100% agree. Um, Stefan, is there anything else that you would like to share today? Is there anything else that we didn't cover that we didn't touch on that you feel would benefit people from a practical perspective when it comes to creating those happier working environments?
1: Yeah, I, I think that one, one of the things that that I've noticed over the last couple of years is that if you, if you want to create a, um, um, an environment of belonging, um, and I'm talking about HR professionals now, uh, but also about teammates and individuals, if you, if you want to be understanding and, and want to make sure that, um, that kindness matters, as I always talk about on the Friday on LinkedIn, then it's important to be a, a world citizen. And what I mean by that is that we know that there's differences between countries that we live in Europe, but we also know that there's big differences between the different regions in the world. Um, and instead of criticising each other for the culture that they might have, mm. being open-minded and being a world citizen, and I'm trying to understand what the other person is actually trying to do. I think too many times, especially in international companies, and I, I work for a company that is over 11,000 people, and most of the people live and work in the UK, in the US, we most of the time have, you know, the US is inventing something that is good for the global company. And then mm. they drop it over and, and give it to Europe and give it to Asia pack. And then you need to make sense of it and try to make it work here. And it doesn't always work because we all have our unconscious bias. We all have, you know, where we live and, and where how we work. We think that we have the right solution, but it's not always a global solution. And making sure that you as a global citizen understand what they're trying to do and then translate it into something that will work for your region is so important rather than just discouraged to do it at all. And I think that one of the leadership skills and one of the individual skills that we all need to have is be much more of a global citizen because the world is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Yeah. We need to celebrate our differences rather than just, you know, avoid to talk to somebody else.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you have any specific examples of an initiative that that came out of the US that wasn't that didn't translate well, let's say um, to Europe or to one of the other regions?
1: Well, there's many examples, but sometimes when you need to change a system uh, and your decision makers are in the US Mm. and they think they make the right decision, then uh, try to get us on board from a European or Asia back uh, perspective is difficult. Um, and the example is that if I was if I was a US citizen, uh, taking the US as an example, and I need to implement an HR uh, program, I'll take that from my perspective. And the US is incredibly big 350 million people.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: they all speak one language, they have different states, but they all speak one language. So they don't have challenges that we have in Europe, like with different currencies, different languages, all those different cultures, different labor laws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So our world is a little bit more complex when you run different countries. But if you're a US leader and you've never really experienced that, then you would take the best system from your perspective, what is best for you. Uh, and then when you want to roll it out globally, then that's where the problem starts. So, and I, you know, I speak to many of the HR leaders, we've all been into the situation where when you work for a U.S. company and, and the decision makers are in the U.S., that they need to embrace all the challenges that you have in Europe. Yeah. Now, luckily, there's many examples the other way around as well, so don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but the, if you are, again, a global citizen, you approach it from, okay, what is best from a global perspective? So what, yeah. what needs to be the prerequisites to actually implement a system or a process or a policy? And what well, how does it work everywhere? And that is, something that is that is a skill that's going to be very very important over the next 10 years understanding how all those pieces of the puzzle work together
0: that's a really really good point and having worked in large multinationals with headquarters in the us i can totally relate to that where there's initiatives that come this isn't even from a hr perspective it's more from a from a management perspective and um, from a structural perspective initiatives that have come from the US that don't really apply, even from an engagement perspective. It's just, it's something that we couldn't relate to, um certainly in, in Europe.
1: Yeah, I work for other companies as well, where the other way, it works exactly the same, okay? Yeah. Where, where where a European-founded company uh, is expanding in the US and things that everything that we do in Europe, we're just going to copy-paste in the US. That work. <laughs> yeah. And that's why it all comes back being the global citizen, Understand. Yeah. Trying to understand how countries or regions work is so important uh, yeah. you see, in, in very small scale here in europe i mean if I, if I want to do something with hybrid working then you know we need to consider all the different countries and the different laws and different things that we need to do i cannot just build one policy for all that doesn't matter. yes
0: i'm sure the states might be similar in that that there's different states that might govern those kind of rules as well, and there's different taxation laws within, like you know, exactly. all of those complications as well. Um, Stefan, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast: What makes you happier at work?
1: Ah, good question. Um, I think what makes me happy is that I can add value to teammates and help them bring the best out of themselves. No matter what kind of background or culture um, and to, to get with my team i can help develop them and grow them um i'm that kind of person that you know gets incredibly proud if somebody within my team gets promoted or builds a new career somewhere else that i can and um, be part of that little bit of getting somebody thinking outside of the box is, is mm-hmm. very, very important to me um and i that's what I've been trying to do over the last 25 years. It's not about me. It's about you know, making your team the best team out there, making your company the best company out there. Yeah, uh, And that's probably the mission that I have in my role. Um, yeah. And HR is a fantastic place to be because you're the spider in the web. So you you see everything that goes around you and you try to influence people in the right way. Yeah, uh, But particularly the last probably 15 years, um, it, it's been great that we have more tools and more uh, ability and uh, capabilities to help people develop themselves. Because we all know that what you learn in school and what actually happens in the company are two different things. Yeah. Helping people on that journey, and, and you know, they could be in a, the same role for 10 years, but still helping them develop as a human being is so important to me. And when I see those successes, that makes me the most proud, and I get the most happiness out of that. When we celebrate success of somebody else.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like that's for me that epitomizes what a leader is is seeing the success through other people. So their kind of their own success comes through helping other people to succeed in whatever it is that they're doing.
1: Yeah. And within our company, we do a lot of training and we have our leadership philosophy, so we, we tell people what our philosophy is, how we approach leadership. And, and the number one thing that I have in my leadership philosophy, and they're different for everybody, but for me, it's empowerment. That's the, yeah. you know, I started working at Inside. That's the first thing that I told my team. Uh, and it took them probably around six to eight months to understand what that actually meant. Um, yeah. Because we're used to get orders from above and they do the things that they do. And they did them fantastically well. But giving them empowerment to make decisions for themselves that are right yeah. in the company just change the whole team into a very proactive organization yeah uh, and and you know leaders around me go directly to those subject matter experts to get the advice that they want they don't have to do that through me so yeah they, they explore things and are different human beings today than they were five years ago and that you know if, if something makes me happy then that's you know the most things that I'm proud of if I talk yeah. to somebody birthday party, uh, I talk rather than talking about myself I talk about the journey that my team goes goes through yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: and continues to go through, hopefully.
0: That's such a nice story. And I just wanted to kind of pick up on this idea of empowerment. And and can you share the leadership philosophy from, say, a different perspective, from a different leader within the organisation and what that might look like?
1: Yeah, so so um, in the last year and a half, we have a new president for EMEA, for instance. Uh, And her number one is team and it's very, very profound on her leadership philosophy. She discusses that every time she goes around when when she's able to travel. (laughs) But it it, it is something that is very close to her heart. That's what she fights for every single day. And the good thing is, is that the leadership philosophy tells you something about that person. Mm. So it is something that represents them. Uh, and you can see that in everything that they do. So every all hands that we have or presentations to the board, the people subject is always number one. It's not first the business and then people. No, it's always first the people. And that's yeah. you know, leadership philosophy. therefore, represents how people really behave. So it's an expectation that you set to your teams that this is the person I am. This is what I'm trying to do. And for me, that has always been. I'm already a people leader because I'm in HR. So that's kind of what you do. But for me, it's empowerment. And, and if you talk to anybody in my team, they know that they can, you know, they can come up with new ideas. They can think about things that they want to do in the next two years. They can think about taking decisions because they know it's the right decisions. Mm. They only come to me when it's really, you know, financial decision where they need support or they have something that we're going off tracks a little bit. And is that yeah. the right thing to do right now? Um, so there's still debates. But it, it keeps them open minded and helps them to grow themselves to something that they didn't think five years ago, uh, which is just fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Love that story. And, and Stefan, if people want to know more about you, if they want to connect with you, find out more, what's the best way that they can do that?
1: I'm very, as you know, I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's the best way to reach me. Um, um, so if you're curious about me just read my profile if you want to reach out i i tend to respond quite quickly on linkedin uh, to people's questions Um I'm, I'm doing some mentoring for people via linkedin as well so the best way to reach me is, is up there um, and I, I would say that if you want to if you want to um, discuss those kind of things with me, I'm I'm happy to have those conversations. Um, I also have a very busy job, so I don't always have time to do things. So (laughs) I'm delaying, responding. But um, yeah, no, I I, I try to um, share my knowledge the best way that I can, uh, because I think it's important that we talk about, you know, not only our successes, but also the things that didn't went so well and how did we respond to that. Because, you know, we like to talk about our successes, but there's, it's, it's, it's a struggle to do the right thing for a company and grow your company and doing all the right things and pleasing everybody. Um, And When we were in the middle of the pandemic, I always say, you know, everybody's in the same storm, but everybody is on a different boat, which means that every individual has his own small problems or big problems that we're not aware of. That's why one solution doesn't fit all. And I think that that's what people need to keep in the back of their minds when they talk to people or trying to build a solution for them be curious, ask the questions first before you come up with a solution.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay curious. Really like that approach. Um, And thank you so much for sharing your knowledge today. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I've got loads and loads of notes and looking forward to, to reviewing those. And I really hope that listeners took a lot from the conversation as well. So thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: That was Stefan Tanon who is the Vice President of Human Resources for EMEA at Insight. I feel like we covered quite a wide range of topics in our conversation today. And as always, I would love to know what you think. Feel free to post on social media. On Instagram, happieratwork.ie or on LinkedIn, feel free to connect with me, Aoife O'Brien, A-O-I-F-E-O apostrophe B-R-I-E-N. I would love to connect with you and hear your thoughts on today's podcast. There is a lot to cover in terms of the key points that I want to pull out from today's conversation. I so enjoyed the conversation with Stefan today. Um, We talked about this idea of values and I'm so glad that he brought that up because for me it is one of the critical parts of creating a happier working environment. He talked about the value system and how it is a way of communicating between people that the culture is based on values but it's defined by the circumstance or where you live and it's not just posted on the wall, you need to make sure that those values are being lived. He mentioned how it is the core of a lot of the different aspects of what they do from the hiring process, the promotion process for events. You know, it comes up in a lot of different areas and and I loved that the, the values are so simple. But they get a lot across. So the values he mentioned within inside are hunger, heart, and harmony. So the hunger piece is about doing well and helping other people. Heart is about doing the right thing for the right reasons, and the harmony piece then is around diversity and that sense of community. He spoke about the importance of values in making people proud to work where they work so that they feel aligned and they're proud to say that they work where you are. And I suppose as a leader, the challenge here is to think for yourself Are you living the values of your organization and are the values in your organization being lived by everyone or do you even have values in your organization? So I suppose that's the the first thing to think about and to take away from this podcast. The second area that we spoke about then was this idea of belonging and what Stefan mentioned specifically was listen. So listen to your people and have them contribute and talk about ways that they can contribute to the organization. We spoke about the importance of having sponsorship from the top. So having that executive sponsorship, but it doesn't necessarily have to be executive execution. So you can You can have executive sponsorship and guidance, but then the people on the ground actually doing the work. What this does then, it is it empowers the team to make their own decisions. And the entire initiatives then become driven by, as as Stefan called them, teammates. And I love that he uses that expression to describe his colleagues. We spoke about diversity as well and How can we stand up for the things that we believe in? And again, this ties in with this idea of getting that executive sponsorship, but really be driven by the the people who are experiencing it on a day to day basis. We spoke about diversity from the perspective of whether it's something that needs to be done. And for me, that's like, is that a box ticking exercise uh, versus it's something that you really believe in? And Stefan and his organization are coming at it from the perspective that it's something he really believes in. And um, maybe that's something for consideration then as well with your diversity, inclusion, belonging initiatives. Is it something that you're doing for a box ticking exercise? Are you looking at the numbers purely from a financial perspective? Or is it something that you really believe in because you think it's the right thing to do? We kind of circled back around to this idea of belonging again, then talking about what it means to belong in an organization. So it's about being heard, making a difference. You're not being left alone. You're not being separated out and it empowers individuals to be better person, you're not putting limits on the possibilities of what you can achieve in the organization and for both perspectives. So from the individual perspective, it's realizing that potential, but it's getting the best out of yourself and also from the company's perspective, getting the best out of the people. We spoke about what belonging actually means and really what it boils down to is this idea of values. So making sure that values are aligned. And again, we touched on the difficulties that happen when values are not aligned and it creates this toxic environment and some really tough conversations have to be had in those scenarios. So belonging is this idea of values, but also matched with a people centric leader. And we did touch on the idea of trust being fundamental to all of this and creating that psychologically safe environment. And I know that that has come up again and again and again on the podcast. And I suppose it reiterates just how important that sense of trust actually is. Challenge number two for you then. What are you as a leader doing to foster a sense of belonging in your organisation? We spoke about this concept of leadership and I probably misspoke in terms of defining leadership as either good or bad. But from what I understand, the different approaches to leadership have had different impacts on various different individuals and organisations. And and as Stefan rightly pointed out, it's not about being good or being bad. It's about whether or not leaders were agile during the pandemic and whether they were able to change their style of leadership to suit the new circumstances that they found themselves in. In order to build engagement and performance, it's it's not just about seeing people in front of you and being able to manage them because they're in front of you. It became more about using different skills in order to get the best out of people. And my question to you, therefore, is did you bring an agile approach to how you led during the pandemic? And we're still experiencing it now. Uh, In Ireland, we there are some organisations that are going back to the office, but my understanding is the majority of people are still working from home or transitioning to this hybrid approach. So how has your leadership style changed during the pandemic, maybe that's something to ponder as well. The last point I want to just capture in the summary is this idea of being kind and having that global perspective. So it's not a one size fits all approach to how you roll out these types of initiatives. So if you want to create a people centric organisation Or if you are working in a multinational organization, it's not just taking what has already been done and applying it. It's really thinking about the different perspectives and how to practically apply things. And I would love to know if you have experienced that. So is that something that that has happened in your organization or is it a bit simpler if you're working in a smaller organization? Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast and for making it all the way here I really appreciate your time today. And as always, I would love to get any thoughts, any questions, any suggestions for future topics that you have. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.